Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. This nationally recognized, award-winning podcast is hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Amy Kostelik, Associate Extension Professor for Adult Development and Aging, and Ann Hall Norris, Extension Specialist for Food Preservation and Food Safety. Welcome, Amy and Ann Hall. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so today's topic, I was just commenting prior to us starting to record, is I think a really unique combination of both of your all's areas of specialty. So today we're talking about food and hygiene safety during quarantine and kind of specifically focusing on consideration for older adults or those individuals that are 65 plus. And, you know, during this time to help reduce the spread of COVID-19, people have been advised to stay at home as much as possible. Older adults, 65 years of age and older, and people with various health conditions have been encouraged to be especially careful as they might be at greater risk for contracting the virus. So as a result, um, certain people, especially again, including those older adults are, you know, they're kind of recommended to live in social, social isolation right now, which can make it more difficult for them to get and prepare food. But for some, isolation may also make it more challenging to practice food and hygiene safety. So today we're going to kind of talk about that. And We're going to get started, Anne Hall, with what exactly is food safety and foodborne illness? Well, food safety just refers to all of the practices that people use to keep the food that we eat safe. And so with that comes preventing foodborne illness. And you will a lot of times hear people say food poisoning, but it's actually an illness. It's not an actual poisoning. Poisoning, it's just an illness that is caused by a great amount of bacteria, viruses, or toxins that are in the food you eat. And so you're not really being poisoned. It's just that there's so many of the bacteria, yeast, molds, or toxins in that food that that's what makes you sick. And it can come anywhere during purchase or transportation or storage. It can come from, you know, a restaurant or even at home. And so that's why everyone needs to know that the proper practices to handle their food safely and cook it properly so that they don't get foodborne illness. So how do you know if you have a foodborne illness? And if you do, what is it that you should do? That's kind of a difficult question because I think lots of people have had foodborne illness and just kind of brush it off as maybe the flu or a stomach virus because the symptoms are very similar. It's nausea, stomach cramps, diarrhea. Lots of times there's vomiting and a fever and People don't even realize that it might have come from something that they ate a day ago or two days ago. But if you're if those symptoms continue on for more than two days, then you need to seek advice from a doctor or a healthcare professional. So, Amy, why are older adults more susceptible to foodborne illness and food safety issues? That's a great question. And I think the big issue is is really just based on normal age-related changes in the organ and the sensory system that older adults just are automatically at an increased risk for hospitalization and death from foodborne illness. 
And sometimes too, it may just be a, a lack of current knowledge about food safety, for example, and, and again, based on what their system and their changing system is like. So it could just be like, for example, the slowing of the gastrointestinal tract can cause an older adult to take longer to digest food, which allows more time for illness causing organisms to grow. An aging liver, aging kidneys may not get rid of toxins or foreign bacteria that Ann Hall was talking about earlier. You know, are those viruses, they're not, you know, their system's not as used to it and, and able to get rid of it as well. Reduced stomach acid can decrease the good bacteria in the intestinal tracts that can help aid digestion. So things like that, even medications, certain side effects of medications and diseases that are common to older adults like diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, certain cancers can leave older adults more susceptible to foodborne illness. And again, that can result in longer periods of illness for our older adults, even hospitalization and sometimes death. So I'm going to be honest, that's not something that I've really thought about before in terms of just kind of the the body system slowing down, allowing the food or the bacteria to be in there longer to potentially cause illness. So that that's really interesting. I've also heard stories of older adults who might eat food that has gone past the use-by date or has become contaminated because they cannot really see it or smell that the food has gone bad. You know, often we use a lot of our of our sensory to, to kind of determine, oh, the milk smells bad. Does this happen? I would like to say it does. However, I'm going to pick on my husband for a second, who's not exactly an older adult, but acts like one at times because he smelled milk the other day and drank it and with a piece of pie. And I went the next morning to pour a glass of milk and I kid you not, it was curdled. Unless it's curdled overnight, you you drank bad milk and didn't even know it, which if anyone has tasted bad milk, it is not a taste you forget. So how he did that, I'm not sure. Or clearly I've married an older adult and didn't realize, (laughs) didn't realize that. However, you're, you're very right, Jennifer. And I teach human development and I do an age simulation in that class with my students to go over some of these issues so that they can keep that in mind for themselves as they age or aging parents, grandparents. But yeah, I mean, our sensory system, if you think about it, it's like a baseball glove, our organs and our sensory system. I sometimes compare it to that. And even though we can keep that baseball glove really well oiled over time, that leather is just not going to hold up as, as it once did. And it kind of wears out. And I, I think as much as we can take care of our body, our bodies kind of do too. And so with the sensory system, it's not uncommon for older adults' um, eyesight to decline. And again, this could be due to just normal age-related decline that happens gradually. Some, some of us won't even necessarily notice it. Or we might be at the restaurant and we start holding that menu out a little bit further or asking people to turn on a different light or can you grab a magnifying glass or where are my cheaters? You know, that sort of thing. But there's also some common age-related vision disorders or diseases too. Again, common for older adults. But with vision loss or trouble with vision, it can indeed become difficult to, you know, see if a surface is clean um, on a counter or a cutting board. It could be more difficult to identify mold that may or may not be growing in a jar, food that may be a little bit too shriveled to eat. They may not even notice if the refrigerator door has been closed all the way, which can affect food safety. 
if we also talk about more of the sensory system with taste and smell, those work together and play a major role in food safety and enjoyment as well. When the system, the, the taste and smell is working well, it's going to contribute to a person's joy of food. It often leads to social interaction. And that's kind of a side note that some people don't think about. When you can't taste or smell your food very well, you're less apt to want to interact and be with people because we tend to live in a culture that's very social when we eat. You know, let's meet. Okay, let's meet over a coffee. Let's meet over a donut or, or whatever. And so when that system is affected, it just, by the way, can affect the way in which we connect with people. But as we age, again, you may not smell spoiled food or taste spoiled food. Like I told the story with my husband, you may not detect gas or smoke when you're actually cooking or gas or smoke in the house. It also, older adults tend to have a higher threshold with smell sensitivity. So that also means an odor actually needs to be a little bit stronger for an older adult to smell. But the problem with that can be if I can't see something and I don't smell it, you can see how that can kind of exasperate the problem there with not identifying something that maybe you shouldn't be eating. Starting around the age of 60, the number of taste buds in our mouths decrease and the remaining taste buds begin to shrink a little bit, which makes it more difficult to identify certain tastes such as sweet, salty, sour, and bitter. So again, and there's less saliva in your mouth causing dry mouth. Dry mouth can affect the ability to taste, um, also including the detection of whether or not food is spoiled. So this change in taste can also be dangerous for older adults because that makes them more apt to maybe season their food with more salt, more butter so that it tastes better, but that can do things to our bodies and, and not be very healthy. So there's some health concerns there. And also, while taste is affected by normal age-related decline, I also want to point out that certain diseases, smoking, poor air quality, things like that can also accelerate the loss of taste and smell, which can be a problem for all of us, but including older adults. And the last thing I just want to touch on, I know I've been talking here for a minute, but that's the sense of touch. And you think, well, how is touch related to food safety or concerns with older adults? But think about it. Touch, the sense of touch helps you become aware of pain, temperature, pressure, vibration, your body position. So when I tell my students when we impair their sense of touch on their fingers, I always use the example of think about if you, you know, were trying to get a hot, a pan hot, and maybe you're one of those people who's just going to quick touch it and tap it with your finger to make sure it's warm enough for you to put the sandwich on or, or whatever you might be doing. And an older adult might put their hand on that, but leave it on a hair too long or press a hair too, too much on it, put too much pressure on it because they don't feel the heat right away. And then as a result, they ended up, they potentially could end up with a burn or, you know, a, a problem, an injury. So again, that change in, in sense of touch and reduced sensitivity to pain might also put an older adult at greater risk for injury. The same holds true with, uh, you were talking about touch and taste. Um, it's very important to heat your leftovers to 165 degrees and hardly anybody takes the temperature with a thermometer of their leftovers. You know, they'll hit, put them in the microwave and wrap them up and get them real hot. But I have found with my dad, um, he just heats it for a little bit because he doesn't like that, that hot, it, you know, in his mouth. And so I'm really concerned that he gets his leftovers out of the refrigerator, you know, in three to four days because he doesn't heat them up properly. And the longer they sit, the more chance they have of that uh, bacteria accumulating and then making him sick. So Ann Hall, I'm going to be honest that I do not food temp things when I reheat them in the microwave, but I think that's a good take home tip for, for me today too, to start doing that. And we just got a new food thermometer. So that's kind of fun too. Maybe I can use it for that purpose. 
in what ways can you help monitor and or reinforce specific food safety and proper hygiene practices for those who are isolated at home? Well, I'd like to start with, if at all possible, have someone else do your shopping for you instead of going to the grocery store or maybe have a a food delivery service, you know, deliver your groceries. But if that's not always possible, when you go to the store, have a list, get in and out as quickly as possible and limit the the number of times you, you go to the grocery store. Don't be going every couple of days, you know, try to just go once a week or every two weeks if you can. Take hand sanitizer or wipes with you when you go. Uh, Not all the stores have those, and that way you can wipe down your cart and sanitize your hands. And try to touch as little as possible. Try to shop with your eyes. Don't have to move things around and touch a lot of things in the grocery store because a lot of other people have touched those, and that's a, a source of contamination there on your hands. You should always wear a face covering. It's great to check your store for shopping hours that are designated for older adults because that limits the number of people in there at that time and and you have a little bit more freedom getting around. And then when you're done, wash your hands. You know, wash your hands when you get home and then wash your hands after you put your groceries away. You know, Ann Hall, I'll, I'll just mention there when you were talking about the senior hours is that my mom has been very mindful about her her grocery shopping and how she goes about doing it. She does several of these things. She mentioned that she has a list. She limits the number of times she goes, et cetera. And she was going during the senior hours and she kind of remarked that she felt like that the senior hours were busier than just when she was going to the grocery store before. And um, just so happened one day when she was checking out at the grocery store, the the manager was checking her out and, and bagging for her. And she kind of mentioned that. And he said, you know, if you come between on these days between this time frame and this time frame, it's when we're absolutely the slowest. And so just by her getting that information, so the next time when she went to the store, she went during that time frame and she said that there was hardly anyone there. So I thought that was a great tip too, of just asking those employees at the grocery store about when are the least number of people here and going then. That's right. Because when they advertise that special shopping hours, a lot of people will utilize that. But then sometimes there's no one in the grocery store between six and seven at night. You know, most people are at home eating dinner or doing homework. So that's a great suggestion about asking the store when it's, you know, the least crowded. So what about in terms of hygiene safety? Well, wash your hands as often as you can. You always want to wash your hands after being in public. It doesn't matter if it's the grocery store or if you're just out shopping for clothes, using the bathroom, you know, touching your face. Just, I cannot stress enough, wash your hands as often as you can with with, uh, warm water and soap. If you can't wash your hands, then use a hand sanitizer that has at least 60% alcohol. And I like to keep a hand sanitizer in the car. I got several bottles for my dad. I keep it um, on the table beside his chair where he watches TV. You know, I have it sitting randomly around the house and I'm like, dad, just sanitize your hands every now and then as you're walking through the house. So we want to keep our hands clean. We want to make I think sure I'm going to interrupt for one second too, in Hall, because I think it's good with older adults to remind them, especially older adults who live by themselves, to wash their hands after they have touched their face, after they've coughed, sneezed, blow, blowing their nose. And I say this, and my mom would die to have me say this on a podcast, but she lives by herself. And when I last saw her over the summer, there were a couple of times that she would blow her nose and she didn't wash her hands. And I said, oh my gosh, what, what are you doing? And she, and she kind of paused and she truthfully, she said, I just didn't even think about it. I, I live by myself and it, I guess it doesn't, 
I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> and, and I'm much more conscious of that, I guess, because I, I, I do live with a family, you know, a family and I'm surrounded by people or if I'm cooking, but I, I, when you said that in hall, it just reminded me that maybe there's others out there who, if they're by themselves, just don't think about it and think, well, who cares? Um, but I think that's a good reminder for our senior adults in particular and people who live by themselves. Yes, that's perfect. Thank you. And then a couple of other things I wanted to mention as far you know, keeping your hands clean and keep your surfaces clean. You want to clean and disinfect your countertops and your remote controls, you know, things, even if you are by yourself, you want to make sure that those don't get a buildup of any type of bacteria and replace that sponge in your sink regularly. You know, I just do that a couple of times, you know, for my dad, I'll just take one into my pocket and replace that one that's been there for who knows how long. Um, Those will harbor bacteria because they stay moist. And then replace your dish towels, you know, wash them often, or if you can, use paper towels. Those are just some some good tips for around the house, regular hygiene. Okay, so now let's talk food safety tips. Okay, so the first thing you want to do is in your refrigerator, you want to separate your raw meats and eggs, your uncooked product from your cooked product, like your lunch meat or your fresh fruits and vegetables. You don't want your raw product to contaminate the things you're that are ready to eat. So keep those raw meat and eggs away, usually on the bottom and your fruits and vegetables and um, ready to eat things on the top and get a thermometer, know the temperature of your refrigerator. You can't just go by that dial that goes from, you know, one to five or one to 10. You want to make sure your refrigerator stays at 40 degrees, chill your leftovers as quickly as possible. You know, if if you have leftovers, you want to make sure right when you're done eating, you go ahead and put those in the refrigerator and only keep your leftovers for three to four days. If you've opened lunch meat or deli containers, you don't want to keep those for more than five days. And so those might have an expiration date that's going to be far beyond, you know, the fifth day after you've opened it. So I try to get my dad to write on that package. He doesn't always do that. But if you purchase something from the deli, it's going to have the date that you purchased it. So you know not to keep that for longer than five days. And then the last thing is to wash all your fruits and vegetables thoroughly. It doesn't matter if you bought them at the farmer's market or at the grocery store. Wash those and use a brush to scrub your cantaloupes and melons, things like that. You want to make sure that they get that running water to remove all of that bacteria that might be on there. You don't want to wash your pre-bagged salads or anything that comes that says it's already washed. You should be washing their fruits and vegetables. And Hall, does that include bananas too? My dad always told me to wash my bananas because when you peel the banana, it's, you know, the dirty skin gets on your fingers and then you might, you know, chip off the banana and stick it in your mouth. And that means your hands were contaminated. So do you recommend washing a banana? I do. I do. I usually wipe that down because I like to take the, I like to use my hand, you know, to eat the banana. I don't just hold it from the outside. So the chances are greater. You're going to touch it with your hand. So you should wash that skin. I do. So this is probably when I'm going to tell too much about myself, but it's just one of these things that I had never thought of that, you know, I knew like with a watermelon that you should always wash the watermelon first prior to cutting it. But then there was something the other day that actually one of our extension agents put out and um, she paused to say she was um, chopping an onion, but she paused to say to make certain you wash your onion, the outside peel prior to cutting it. And that's something that I had never thought to do. And you're all probably sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, Jennifer's never washed her onion before she chops it. But I hadn't thought about doing that. But I guess that that makes the same sense as it would of washing the watermelon or any type of produce that you would cut into to to chop it up. 
Well, I have never heard that. I've never done it. I used oh, to good. Peel. Now that makes me feel better. I do. Home. I always start with clean hands. I wash my hands and then I peel off as many layers, you know, those uh, outer skin of that onion. Then I wash my hands again and then I chop it. So I, I don't actually wash the onion. I just make sure my hands are clean. Okay. Well, that, that makes me feel better that maybe I'm not too far off on my onion peeling then. <laughs> um, okay, so we've digressed a little bit there. But Amy, um, do you have additional tips that we can share for family members who maybe cannot be with their loved ones face-to-face right now? Yeah, I think the biggest key is just making a commitment to helping minimize risk and being especially careful in terms of either reminding or helping, you know, older adults handle, prepare in the way in which they consume food. Like some of the things we were just talking about, wash watermelons and, and things that you're going to cut into, you know, that that may, older adults may not know or they may just need reminders like, like all of us. But I think as a family member, a caregiver, even a concerned friend or neighbor, um, it's important to certainly help older adults and think about older adults staying safe in their homes during this pandemic. So I think things that you can do is are, are, are pretty simple. Things like setting up a time to conduct these periodic safety checks. You know, Anne Hall, I don't know that yours is definitely or, or necessarily a check with your dad, but like you said, you just slip a sponge into your, into your pocket. And when you go and visit, you probably just make an exchange and don't even make it a big deal. You know, so even on those little visits, just surveying the environment as well beyond what goes on in the kitchen. You know, if there's a throw rug that needs to be secured or, or just, got, you know, gotten rid of, making sure that lights are on, working, light bulbs, that kind of thing. Make sure dark hallways and stairways are well lit. In the kitchen too, I think you've got to think about things like putting dishes in places that are within reach. So we talked about sensory decline, but there's also some mobility decline that goes on with older adults. And so if, if you've got some mobility issues or some pain, maybe due to arthritis and you're reaching above your head to get that mixing bowl that you rarely use, you're going to be more susceptible to losing your balance and falling. So if people can just kind of check where stuff is in the kitchen so that it's within reach and not causing people to get off balance or climb up on a chair to get something down or bend down real low to to try to get something in a low cabinet, I think those are good things to think about. Like Ann Hall said, making sure the soap is in containers and suspensers and making sure there's hand sanitizer, maybe sitting by the TV remote or the easy chair where someone may be sitting for an extended period of time. Again, that way they're not blowing their nose and having to get up to go to the bathroom. And I'm not trying to make it sound like older adults don't get up and move around their house, but just reminders. I mean, reminders help me as a middle-aged adult. If I see hands, hands, hand sanitizer, I'll just go ahead and use it, whether I just did it or not, you know? Um, So just having those visual cues and reminders around creating laundry routines, either with or for older adults can be helpful to, again, assure that towels and clothes are being washed regularly, weekly refrigerator checks just to help with the monitoring of food. And if you're not in someone's home, it may just be talking about it on the phone, you know, just saying, hey, mom, you know, that meatloaf that I brought last week, if it's still in the fridge, it's got to go, you know, just kind of reminders like that, I I think can help people and families feel a little bit safer. Excellent. Anne Hall and Amy, thank you both for joining us today. All this has been great information and tips for helping isolated older adults stay healthy and safe during this time. And I also um, think it's just a good reminder if you know people who have trouble with hearing, vision, mobility, or memory issues. It's also important to note that you all that you can call your local area agency on aging or your county extension agent can help you identify resources to help in the home. 
And I know that you all in particular have provided several websites that may be of interest to our listeners if they would like to learn more about this topic. So we'll be certain to get those linked in the show notes. Great. Thanks, Jennifer, for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT or send us an email at UKFCSEXT at UKY.edu. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. We build Kentucky. It starts with us.